You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 157. Today, we're talking all about how to rewrite your money story. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 1.2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here, and thank you so much for tuning into another amazing episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest we're going to be getting into in... Just a moment, Belinda Rosenblum, and we're talking all about your once upon a time money story. So if you don't like looking at your bank account, if you get that uncomfortable, queasy feeling every time you use your credit card or write that check or spend money, if you've been struggling to make more money, And no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, no matter how long you work, you just don't seem to be making it. This is the episode for you because we're not going to be looking at what is the latest funnel, tactic, strategy, hack, blah, 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 to make you money. We're going to get to the cause of things. We're going to get to the source of things, which is the story we have been telling ourselves about money, about worth, about value, about business, and about ourselves. Guys, this is the work. I'm not just messing around here when I say that success is created from the inside first. That entrepreneurship, life, is an inside job. And this gets a little heavy. So I hope you're willing to go on this journey with me. I hope you're prepared to stay present and to really ask those questions, those tough questions that Belinda and I are going to be asking you here and to really look and discover what's there for you. That takes courage. That takes a lot of courage. While everyone else is just blaming their circumstances around them. They blame the economy, government, their president, their competitors, the marketplace, their customers. I chose the wrong niche. I chose the wrong profession. My web designer didn't make me a good website. All these things. Victim, 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 victim. What you're going to discover is that all those things out there that we're blaming for our current situation are not the things that are really at the cause. Are you willing to look at what is? I hope you are. I've been able to do that. And it drastically changed my life. I still do that. All right, anyways, before we get into it today, I hope I've amped you up enough. I hope I've mentally prepared you for today's awesomeness. But before we do that, I want to give you a quick update. Uh, I just got back last night from another week in Sedona. So if you've been following me over on Instagram, you know that I was hanging out in Sedona, Arizona for the last seven days. It was a really fun trip. It was a very intentional trip to just kind of get away from the grind of the day-to-day I just take a lot of time off to rest and relax and recharge. So I spent the first half of the trip with my beautiful wife, Chelsea. She came out there with me. We went out there together and we just relaxed and had some fun, played around. And then I drove to the airport, which is like a two hour drive, drove back and then hung out with Brandy Lucero and Jim Fortin, two previous guests of the podcast. You can check out their episodes. I'll link them up in the show notes for you. And we spent the rest of the time there in Sedona. And this is actually my fourth time I've been to Sedona in about two years. And so a couple of people have been asking why I go to Sedona and why I keep going to the same place. Well, I get really inspired in Sedona. I really like it out there. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. But I get very intentional before I go into a big creation phase, which we are actually now going into a big creation phase. I like to intentionally rest, recharge, and just build up some inspiration, some intuition, and some creativity, and just kind of let the ideas flow in. If you're not doing this, then you probably haven't been listening to this podcast very long, because you should be, right? That's a big message I keep sharing. So yeah, we're gearing up. This is something I've been so excited about. This is something I've been working on for a long time now, but this is the 2018 
training series workshop that I'm doing for Business by Design. And we've got some big things in the works for you. We're doing something that's never been done before, a few things that have never been done before. And we're going to make this the best darn training and the best video experience that anyone's ever seen in this industry. Those are some bold claims, but that's where we're working from. So we've been working day and night. I'm just about to jump in actually into a video shoot. So make sure you, if you aren't, make sure you're following me on Instagram so you can see all the behind the scenes footage that I'm doing there uh, as we make those videos. So listen, here's what I want to make sure you do. We'll link this up in the show notes as well. Businessbydesigntraining.net will get you on the wait list so you can be the first one to see what we're doing with this amazing, completely different video training workshop that I'm just so excited to share with you. Uh, we put a lot lot into this. Uh, and as, if you have been following the behind the scenes, you know what I'm talking about. So anyways, that's up for me. I want to get into today's episode because it's an important one. It's a really important like pillar of foundational messaging that we talk about here on the Mind Your Business podcast. And that's your relationship with money. You might be wondering, well, what is my relationship with money? Well, you can tell when you look in the bank. You can tell every time you spend that money, how does it feel? What does it look like? That's your relationship with money. And we want to get to the cause of that. So let me quickly introduce my special guest today for the podcast, Belinda Rosenblum. So Belinda is a CPA and wealth expert who helps you take the worry and fear out of money. Most people struggle to stay ahead of their monthly bills, even if they're earning good money. But Belinda and her company, ownyourmoney.com, give you a four-part plan that helps you make the most of your money now and still allows you to save enough for retirement. Belinda is the creator of the Money Makers Academy and the co-author of Self-Worth to Net Worth, 12 Keys to Creating Wealth Inside and Out, both offering a step-by-step approach to help you build your financial esteem and manage your own financial life. If this sounds good to you... You guys are going to love today's conversation with Belinda. So without further ado, let's roll that interview right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here, and I'm very excited to announce my special guest today for the podcast, Miss Belinda Rosenblum. Belinda, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, James. I, I feel like I almost bought your last name, Rosenblum. And yeah, I want, it's I want, all good. They're I wanted to me. say bloom, but it's blum, like a plum <laughs> with a B. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. it's all good. <laughs> so how are you I'm doing? I'm excited to be here, James. You can say my name however you want. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so I can just call you instead of Belinda. We'll just call you B Money. There you go. There Ooh, that one's good. I was called the Money Shrink on the last podcast <laughs> I did, but I don't know. B Money is pretty good. B Money in the hisow. All right. Yes. We're going to get into some freestyle rapping later. But first, why don't you just share a little bit about what we're going to actually get into? Because this is a topic that is near and dear to me. This is something Mm -hmm. I'm so passionate about. And I think our listeners are all just like eager to get into this. So what are we here to talk about? So today we're really going to talk about how to rewrite your money story and recognize that especially for entrepreneurs, it's crucial that you understand where your beliefs and money story came from and then literally understand the power that you have to reframe it, to rewrite it, to support the business growth and the profitability that's possible for you. And why is this even important? Why is this significant that there is a money story and that we... Mm -hmm need to rewrite it. Sure. So what happens much of the time is that people are just struggling and stressed about money. They're stuck, they're frustrated, they're broke, they feel broken as a result, and they self-sabotage to match their old beliefs and patterning. And so what happens is that they have all, like literally money is everywhere and there's all this extra money that's available to you. But what happens is that the lack of knowledge and the belief in lack, essentially, keeps the money literally hiding from you and costing you thousands of dollars. So it's like you're leaving money on the table, but your lack of knowledge and these old beliefs are keeping you from even seeing it. And for everybody listening to really be able to be the best business owner, they can be the best woman, man, like person on this earth, we need to clear the old crud, for lack of a better word, from your old money story so you can really be the person and run the business that's possible for you. It's much more fulfilling and much more fun that way. 
I love what you said about a belief in lack, but I'm sure, you know, just to play devil's advocate to maybe a skeptic listening here today, sure. that they would say, belief? This isn't a belief. I look at my bank account, it says $1 in there, that's a fact. What do you say to that individual there? I'll agree with them. I don't want, they're already on the defensive, right? So we want to <laughs> take that away and be like, okay, yes, and, right? Yes, that is your current situation. And why is it that way? Well, if you back up, the reason is because you have a belief that that's how it's going to be, a belief that you need to stay not having a lot of money. Like I've literally helped so many people that didn't realize that they watched their parents. And this is where we got a little bit like, psychological analysis in here because they didn't realize that they had been watching their parents never have money throughout their whole life. And then that's what they took on. They took on this idea that it's not safe to have money in the bank account or it's just that's not how I live. That's not how we live as a family. We're used to not having any money in the bank account. So then that's the belief, creates the thought, the feeling, the action, the result. And then it keeps perpetuating that same belief. We like to be right. And so essentially when we have a strong belief, I think the simpler the belief, the more it locks in for us and the more we viscerally believe that to be true. And then everywhere we look, we keep finding evidence for why we're right. And so this process that we're going to be going through today really says, wait a second, take a step back. You know, I'm thinking of Jim, the interview you did with Jim Fortin recently. Right. Where we are not our thoughts. We're the thinker of our thoughts. And so what's happening is you are not your beliefs. You're the thinker of your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you can start to separate from that and almost bring some mindfulness to it and step away and say, wait a second, this has been a belief that, yes, I have bought into, but that is not truly who I am. I don't have to be living in that lack. Yeah. So one way I'm interpreting this as I listen, this is awesome, is that, you know, like if I look at every story, every story has an ending and the ending of that story is if your money story is the financial money situation that you're in right now. And so it's about the story you've been telling yourself from the past that's creating the present financial situation that you're in. So even though that current situation may be fact, it was caused by in part by the beliefs and stories you've already been telling yourself. Does that sound to align with, with what you've been saying? Absolutely. So what happens is we're forming these beliefs from these early experiences and then we end up repeating patterns. So if you ever find that something happens in your current day, but you have a reaction that's way blown out of proportion for the actual event that's happening, what's under the surface is that it's triggering a past belief. It's triggering something that's happened where you drew a conclusion or something really bad happened at the time. And so you're Literally, you're taking yourself back to that time as a 20-year-old, as a 14-year-old, as a 7-year-old. And so you keep repeating the patterns and then you keep staying in that cycle. And so that's why it's so crucial for everyone to be listening today to then be able to say, wait a second, I want to break that cycle. It's like, I mean, 70%, literally like seven out of 10 people are living paycheck to paycheck. That's a cycle that people are stuck in. Mm. We can absolutely help you get out of that. And this is where it starts. Yeah. And I want to be clear and I want to make sure that you communicate this is that no funnel Facebook ad strategy you know, online course teaching you the latest, greatest secret tactic will solve your current money situation if your money story does not align with the financial goals that you desire. Would you agree with that? Amen. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because what happens especially too for entrepreneurs is that when people don't trust themselves to handle money, to handle money at home, when they have these non-supported belief systems, I call it our BS, but these non-supported mm -hmm. belief systems, then what happens is that they don't trust themselves to even make the money in their business in the first place because they don't trust that if they brought it home that they would know what to do with, like that they would do good things with it and then they would just feel worse about it. So it all really has to shift at this mindset level first and then we have the groundwork moving forward. Like when I teach my four-step system to manage your money in this upcoming workshop, it's very much about number one is mindset and earning. And part of who I am, which is a little funny because I'm a CPA originally, <laughs> but now I call myself a recovering CPA, <laughs> is that every time I'm teaching you a practical topic, it has a mindset 
counterpart. So it's like, I view it as like two sides of the same coin. Like you will not be successful with the practical steps I give you if you don't have your mindset on appropriately to be able to be successful with that skill. That's where the powerful action comes to move forward. This is such important work, guys, because I don't know a business that isn't in the business of generating revenue and profit. I mean, that is the function of the business. That is, you know, one of the big goals that whether you want to say it or admit it or not, that we got into business ourselves. Being an entrepreneur was like more freedom, you know, more money, more impact. And we want to start to notice that if you're denying that or resisting what I'm saying to you right now, like, no, 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 I didn't get into it for the money or blah, 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 that maybe... That has something to do with your current money story. And (laughs) maybe that's something we need to look at today. So this is an extremely important topic. These are conversations that I love having because they've made such an impact in my life. I learned long ago that I had my money stories and and hopefully Belinda will put me on the therapist couch today and we can start to look at some that I've had in the past and some I still have today. You know, it's like I don't see myself as like perfect and flawless. I'm still human and um, I I have my stuff. (laughs) We all do. But I'd love to start with you, Belinda. Can you just give us a little of the origin story? Like, how did you come to be teaching this material? And I'd love for you to even talk about like when and where you discovered your money stories and how that all shifted for you. So it's interesting because in terms of my origin story, there were years where I really hid my story from people because I figured, you know what, I'm this big accountant. And then I started this business back in 2007. So now we're going on 11 years. And I was really ashamed of my past and the mistakes I'd made when it came to money. And then there was this moment where I realized, wait a second, the more that I can share it, the more that people can realize that even those of us who teach money now weren't always this way you know, that we had to work through our own stuff. And I find it even more important for me to continue to stay clean because I do believe there's like a little bit of new level, new devil, right? So Mm -hmm. that as I keep reaching new levels that I make a point of recognizing what's there and working through it, just like you shared with you, James. Mm -hmm. So to take people back a little bit, when I was 21, my dad had a stroke. And so I just graduated college. I was an accounting major, just starting work. And it all kind of crumbled in terms of the vision that I had had for where my life was going at that time. And so I sort of kept work, like just barely going and then took care of him. And I'll tell you that, like, even though he was a professor at a university in New York, he didn't have his stuff very well organized. And that's a little PSA if you have a, you know, older parents and we wouldn't know what bills to pay and what how to handle it until literally we would get something in the mail. We'd be like, oh, I guess we have to deal with this because there was no tracking of anything, really. And so I kind of pieced things together for about the first seven years after a stroke. He went into assist living, the nursing home, and then I refocused back on my work. And I was on the road a lot. I worked for one of the big accounting firms and literally it's like I would leave Monday morning and come home Friday night. And so what started to happen was this destructive rinse and repeat cycle. Cause I was working so hard. I got what I affectionately call finance fatigue. So it's like I was dealing with money all week. And the last thing I wanted to do when I got home was deal with our family finances because I had become family CFO at 21. Like this was not a job I was prepared for. I had never even learned how to do personal finance, even being an accounting major in college. And so the bills and mail started to pile up. Like I'd come home Friday night, I would just throw it on any spare table, basket, whatever I could find. And one day my sister very innocuously just asked me, hey, Belinda, do you have everything together? Like, do you need any help? How's it going? I know you're traveling a lot. And in that moment, I just had to pause because I couldn't keep living a lie like I had everything handled because it was just literally piling up at home. And I said, you know what? Give me this weekend. So I came home from this most recent trip and I did one of the scariest things for people who have bills and mail. I brought them all together onto my dining room table from every basket, chair, (laughs) counter I could find. And I was literally found myself sitting at my dining room table in front of three huge stacks of bills and mail. And I lasted there for like three seconds. And then I started getting this like panic attack. Come on. I stood up and I start pacing. And I just think to myself, like, oh, my God, what if my dad finds out? Could I get fired from my job for being such a mess? Like, how could I have let it get this way? And just all that negative self-talk started to come up. And then I just took a breath. And 
I sat back down and I just said, right now I have a choice in my life. I have a choice to either feel owned by my bills and mail to feel so controlled and to keep avoiding, or I can choose something different. Now I call it, I chose to own my money and to realize that financial independence didn't mean I had to do it alone, which was the approach and the story that I'd been telling myself. And I actually had to phone a friend and have her come over and help me physically open up the bills and mail because it became so much that I was paralyzed to handle it all. And then she came over both days that next weekend. And then the next weekend she came over a day and it literally took six months for me to go through all the bills and mail because I didn't just want another band-aid. I'd been doing that for seven years. I wanted a system for the paperwork and the money management itself. And I took that time to really create a new sustainable mindset for myself that was going to work and hold me. And I remember looking my dad and my sister at the eye at dinner. We were dinner one night and I felt like I was much more present to them because I wasn't hiding anything. Mm. Like I had gotten it figured out and I was in control now. I didn't have to feel like I was a victim to all of those bills and mail. So that was when I was 28. And then I started putting really fast track, the automation I'd been doing, bought real estate and became a self-made millionaire at 33. And then I've since doubled that. So, you know, I've come a long way, baby, as they say. <laughs> and I think it's, it's really, it's because I, I felt that shame. I felt like just my inability to be present with my own family, my own partner, my own work. And I just don't want people to have to go through that one more day. Yeah. That's awesome. So. <laughs> well, it wasn't really awesome at the time, but well, I learned a lot. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it, I always look at the the contrast that is created is, is where, you know, where that transformation or breakthrough happens. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can resonate with that and see themselves or hear themselves in, in that same story. And I always love putting that meaning when we're going through those times, because I've had those times too, is that, you know, as they say, like the breakthroughs on the other side of the breakdown. So that's powerful. It takes stuff like that for us to reach that new level. So you call these, these, these pivotal money moments. Was, was that a pivotal money, money moment for you? Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. We all have these. How do we either discover these or find out where these these were in our lives? And ultimately, like, how do we really identify the beliefs we have around money? Because before you answer that, like, I remember going to a personal development event and the, the person on stage was asking to write down your limiting beliefs. And I had the and this was years ago. I had the hardest time doing that. I had a blank piece of paper. Was, Come on, write down your limiting beliefs. Go, go, go. And I was like, <laughs> well, if I knew what they were, I wouldn't be believing them. Right. And, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I think most people don't really walk around with like, look at all these beliefs I like believing in. It's like, this is the way it is. And this is facts. And I have all this evidence to back it up. So how do we really determine what these pivotal moments are, money moments are, and what these beliefs are? Sure. So I totally know what you mean. And I think that that was a little bit of why I created this process around rewriting your money story, because I found that when you would just go straight for it, people have a hard time answering. I don't know. What do I believe about money? I don't know. Money's painful, maybe, you know, money's hard to make, hard to get, Mm -hmm. you know, but it feels like you're pulling teeth a little bit. So with this approach, instead, it's kind of going at it from the side and it's recognizing that you have this money story. That's the culmination of everything you saw, you heard, or you did around money from childhood to now. And what's happening is that for each interaction that you have, you're drawing a conclusion and that's the belief about who you are, about what's possible for you and about how money plays into your life. And so then those pivotal money moments, those are the interactions weave together to create a story. And the story starts very young, like four to seven. And it's funny because I actually have a two and a half year old and a four and a half year old now. And I'm constantly monitoring myself, right? Like what am I teaching them right now about money? What could they be concluding? And it's very funny if you ever look at my face, page my four-year-old son has a an own your money dance now mm. even <laughs> and so it's recognizing that we can be conscious about what we teach and what we bring on but much of the time it's very unconscious and so what happens is it forms early with each interaction and then we spend the next 10 20 30 40 plus years creating our lives based on the conclusions that we reached and so 
I want people to start to think about the moments in their life where money was at the cause. Like there was an issue around it. There was a conversation about it. And if you almost think about the timeline of your life, like from zero to however old you are right now, just, and I would even think about it in decades, like zero to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and just start to think about, okay, what are some of the things that were happening in my life back then? And what are some of the things that I might remember around money? And so to start to recognize what those events were or experiences were that you had. So before we even get into the beliefs, let's just start with what those moments were. Mm. And so sometimes they can be specific events that happen and sometimes they can be a series of events. So um, is it okay if I give you a couple of quick examples? Please, yes. So there's Justin. So and Justin came to me, he was an entrepreneur, and he said, he came to me with the dis-ease, and then we kind of traced back through the symptoms to figure out what was really causing the problem. And so he said, you know, I'm making good money, but I... I never let myself keep anything in the bank. It's like either things happen in my life or I just feel this need to buy something or to spend it. It's like I'm not comfortable keeping the money there. I know I'm not really growing my business because I don't really trust myself with money, kind of like I would mentioned happens a lot with entrepreneurs. And he said, so what's going on? Why do I keep repeating this pattern in my life? And so I said, okay, talk to me a little bit about how you interact with money. So, well, I don't really, I just kind of avoid it and push it off. And I just know that whenever I see money accumulate in my account, I, it's almost like I get uncomfortable with it there. Like it's burning a hole in my pocket. I said, okay, great. Keep going. So I said, take me back to something that you can remember. Cause I could feel it. I'm very intuitive in this work. So I could feel like there was something that had happened. My instinct was that when he was young, that caused him to not feel safe around it. Cause that's how it was playing it out right now. And he said, you know, and I find that in all the relationships I'm in, I just don't trust women with money either, even like my girlfriend, and she's great. And so I said, okay, so take me back to when you were growing up, and was there anything with your mom that happened around money? So he thinks for a moment, he goes, oh my gosh, I think I know what I want to talk to you about. I said, great. So he said, well, I um, was a paper boy. Now, I might be dating myself a little bit here, and <laughs> Justin, but he was a paper boy back when they delivered papers with, like, bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So he had a paper route, and he would go, and when we allowed our children out on bicycles even in the mornings, he would go deliver papers. And he had a piggy bank and he really wanted to get a new bicycle. And so he would work, work, and he put in his piggy bank and it was like, it was getting full, it was getting heavy. He like remembered the feeling of holding this almost full piggy bank. And then one day he came home and it was empty. Hmm. And he goes, mom, mom, we've been robbed. <laughs> and it's like, Justin, what are you talking about? No, we haven't. Everything's here. Look, TV's there. And he's like, no, no, look, mom, my piggy bank is empty. How could this be? We've been robbed. Call the police. And she says, no, I needed the money. Mm. I took that money. And he just starts bawling. He's like, what? What are you talking about? I was going to go get this new bicycle. Like, that can't be. Give it back. And she's like, I can't. We needed it this month. Wow. And it's like my heart feels, still feels for him. And so in that moment, what happened was he drew some very important and visceral conclusions. And everyone listening can you know, think about what did he draw at the time? He drew that it wasn't safe to keep money at home, like to save it. He couldn't trust his mom with money. He couldn't trust women with money. Like what was the point of working if it was just going to disappear anyway? There were all of these really strong conclusions that he started to reach, all because of this one incident. And now literally 30 plus years later, he kept reliving the impact of that incident because he had never really freed himself and in a lot of cases forgiven his mom for that. Wow. You know, or recognize kind of the role that he did have and how he was able to really be a provider for his family at this young age. That's powerful. Like I really get that and I I think for our listeners too to see the the echo of that. How old was he when he was a paper boy? About seven years old. Yeah. And like that seven year old is now determining his behaviors and habits of money today, or at least until he, until he started working with you. So, and it can also be a series of events too. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Sarah here. She had a different name, but I'm changing her name because I'm sharing some details of her story. So what happened with her was interesting because her father passed away when she was young and 
life was always a struggle for as long as she could remember. She just watched her mom steal from Peter to pay Paul. And she just watched all that stress. She felt a lot of the stress. She was the oldest. She helped to take care of the family. She had a younger brother and sister. And so she really locked in money is stressful. Cause it was like an everyday feeling that she experienced and she could still feel her, you know, hear her mom saying like, we can't afford that. That's too expensive. Like money is, you know, we have to watch it. Money is stressful. And so she drew these conclusions that that's how her life was meant to be. That's how life would always be for her. That was the legacy. And on a deeper level somewhere, what happens is that we associate the love we have for our parents with taking on their beliefs about money. Oftentimes it's under the surface. We don't consciously say, okay, mom and dad, I'm going to believe what you believe because I loved you, (laughs) but we just continue being who we are as a product of who our parents were. And so what I helped Sarah to realize, cause she came to me again with the symptoms, like I'm feel like I'm always paycheck to paycheck, right? I just feel like I never have enough money. I'm making money and I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this cycle. And so what I helped Sarah to realize was that she had a choice right there to reframe the conclusions that she had made about her mom and really about her dad too, but we'll get to that in a second. And instead realize the facts of the situation that her mom was doing the best that she could to run a business, to raise her family. Her mom wasn't taught money either. And her mom didn't really have the chance to be independent with money because her dad had handled the money previously, you know, the mom's husband had handled the money. He was an alcoholic. So the only models that she had were her parents who weren't very good at it and her husband who wasn't good at it either and was squandering it a lot. And so what we really had to do was step back and think what else could it have meant? You know, it could meant that the mom was learning to do everything. The reality was that Sarah didn't really want for anything. You know, she always found a way. The mom always found a way. She wanted the best for her children. And yes, she was making decisions out of fear, and that's what got transferred onto them. But the reality was that her mom really loved her kids and wanted to provide. And then I took it one step further with her, and I helped Sarah to be able to see the courage that her mom had at the time to be able to provide for her children, to not go right into another relationship, which is oftentimes what single moms do when they're having real struggles. It's a bit of a generalization, but I have seen it enough times that then they then, you know, the choice that she made was to really be the single mom that she wanted to be able to be and provide for her children as best as she could. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that Sarah needed to do in this process was forgive both her mom and her dad. And so forgive her mom that her mom raised her in this sense of fear and stress around money and instead recognized that she was really role modeling courage and a whatever it takes attitude and forgive her dad in that he wasn't trying to hurt them by dying at age 39 from being an alcoholic. And the last piece of it is recognizing a place of gratitude. Like how is your life better as a result of this event that happened for you. And so for her to start, for Sarah to start to realize that she could find strength at an early age and she could continue the legacy from her mom instead of the fear and stress of the courage and the whatever it takes attitude of her mom. Wow. And this is so powerful because how many people actually take the time to trace back to the causes and to the sources of these beliefs and stories. Most of us don't, and then just blame it on something external, like our boss or the economy or our president or something like that. Or, or we just tell ourselves things something different, you know, or yeah. believe something different. But what happens is that when it's so grounded mm. in this young belief, it's hard to just tell ourselves. It's like that idea of, you know, you can't just like, be, you know, if someone just tells you like, be positive. I think the yeah. analogy used was like, you know, whipped cream, whipped cream on, on garbage, uh, yeah. on garbage right? Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about almost like, you know, icing on a mud pie. Uh-huh. Like it's still, mud. <laughs> like it still isn't good. You still don't want to eat it, right? Yeah. And so I think what happens is we just try and like, oh, think something different, believe something different. But when you can source it and you can reframe it and then forgive whatever was happening, it's like a whole new F word, right? Mm. Um, when you can forgive what had happened and then re- Realize, pull the 
gratitude out of it, then you can move forward and not feel chained to those old beliefs. And so it's not like Sarah was thinking to herself, oh, you know, I have a belief that I'm afraid of money, but she just knew that she was stuck in this pattern. And that's what happens with a lot of people. They can't name the belief, but they can think of the incidents that happened in their life around money. And then we trace it back from there. Yeah. I know for me, listening to the the stories you shared, I don't know if I had like specific moments necessarily, but more like general themes, right? That played Mm. out. I had an interesting dynamic where my parents sent me to a private school in the next town over. And the next town over was the like, the like is Newport beach. So it was like the super ritzy, like everyone is extremely wealthy town. And then the private school at that town. So we were like, we weren't, poor relative to everybody else but compared to these like uber wealthy kids we were like all my (laughs) friends growing up had a second or third home and and they were like buying or their parents would buy them like just the most like fancy ridiculous stuff and then i'd be like oh mom can i get this and they're like no and so (laughs) there was this like interesting contrast of like i think if i was in you know a different environment i wouldn't have seen even the money that we had as like not enough, but because there was like such, you know, like my friends would have a, a yacht and they're like, you want to go on our yacht? And I'm like, mom, why don't dad, why don't we have a yacht? You know, like why don't, mm. why can't we, can I take our friends to our, our guest home in, in Aspen, Colorado this winter? Like, no, we don't, we can't afford that kind of stuff. And so right. there was just this like really interesting, like seeing what's possible with money and like, wow, like just thinking and seeing bigger than I'd ever experienced. But then also going back to my parents and like, no, we can't afford that. And that was really coupled with my, my parents have like the most impressive work ethic I've ever seen. And so (laughs) there was, I could see that there was like these wealth is out there impossible, but it's not for me, but you got to work hard for what you do get kind of, you know, story that was being created at that young age. And I could see, especially in the first few years of my business career, how much I was relying just on work ethic and effort and, and how hard and how long I was working in hopes that it would, you know, make me more money or make me worthy of more money. So, yeah. Yeah. Can I talk about that just a little bit? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and thank you for sharing all that, James. So it's interesting because when people have that comparison opportunity, we'll call it, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're growing up and you have all these people around it, there are a lot of conclusions that you could have drawn, right? And my instinct is that you might've even drawn them at the time, but then as you've grown up, as you've been through so much personal development and really become aware of all of that, that you didn't take on this piece of, I can't afford, I can't afford it. That's where a lot of people stop in that story. Right. They hear that. And then that's what they just continue. So they lock that in and they don't see the possibility in the wealth. They just see the current reality and they don't ever get past that. Mm -hmm. And the piece about the work ethic, what happens with a lot of people is that they all they know is to work hard. And oftentimes when they believe that their worthiness and their love is based on the working hard, then they don't allow themselves to find the work smarter or the work easier. Uh And my parents very much had the work hard thing too. Mm -hmm. Like if I came home and this is probably one of my pivotal moments, somewhat money related. I passed the CPA exam. The first time I took it back at the time in 93, it was five parts, two and a half days, very intense. And you needed, gosh, I want to say it was a 75 to pass. And I got I'm a total overachiever. <laughs> Most yes. people know about me. And so I got like over 80 on everything, right? And on one thing, I got an 89. And you only need a 75, right? I'm getting an 89. And my dad goes to me, well, if you got a 90, you would have gotten a letter from the AICPA board. <sighs> And I was like, oh, it just like deflated me. And it took me years, honestly. Like I still remember the exact moment where I was standing and what it taught me at the time. So it's interesting The pivotal money moments are often directly related to money, like the stories I gave you with Sarah and Justin. Other times they're related to the conclusions we reach around success mm-hmm. and possibility for ourselves because those are often directly related to our ability to earn money as well. And yeah, so it's interesting that then... By seeing that work ethic for you, to come back to your story a bit, 
that now it's interesting that you've now translated that to be a, like work harder, play harder as mm. part of one of your mottos. Yeah. Right. So you still have the work hard, but now you've added the play and you've added the play to everything you do right. in your business in a new way. But you don't let go of that working hard. Well, I would say I do because I, I would a big message that I preach today is that money doesn't come from effort. And that's something that I really had to get that, you know, especially in a, it's a whole nother, you know, I think almost like on a society yeah. level, there's a, there's the story of being, you know, what it is to be a good employee. And, you know, if you're an employee, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you work hard, you put in the hours, you'll get the promotions, you get the raises, the paycheck comes from the boss or the company. And so there really is this like experience or link that you see of like, oh, I worked hard. I put in the effort, right. I got the money. And I think people translate that over and I saw myself doing that into running a business and you realize you can, you can be the hardest working employee in your business and the business doesn't make a dime. And, right. um, I, I really had to <laughs> yeah. elevate and or detach from that and really look at, you know, where does money come from and where does my time and energy go today? And actually, I'll probably say this in the pre-piece before yeah. we get into this, because I like to update our audience, but I was just in Sedona playing for seven days without, without working at all. And yeah. 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 Well, well, and I think it was more like in one of your mottos, I just remember reading like work harder, play harder. But I think what you just brought up is a really important point that just because we have these beliefs, it doesn't mean that we can't reframe them. And if anything, I think sometimes it has us then be stronger Right. Because it's like we felt what it feels like to only believe that I have to rely on my work ethic. I have to work hard, work hard. I have helped so many entrepreneurs be like, wait a second, time out. Like you're asking yourself the wrong question. Mm. Right. We're, we're the quality of the questions we ask ourselves from Tony Robbins. And so, like, look at the questions you're asking yourself. Most people are asking, like, how can I work harder? Right. And. That's not going to get people the answers that they want. Sure, it will keep them up at night working. <laughs> but is that really going to create the life and the business that you want to make happen? Instead of like you talked about really looking where's the value? How am I reframing my whole conversation about what I want to create in my business? And I, I mean, I find, tell me this rings true for you, that it's almost like sometimes if I'm working so hard, it means I'm not actually being the best leader I can be because it means I'm not using my team. Absolutely. couple things there. First of all, I think Tim Ferriss said this, that like working hard is a form of laziness, lazy thinking. You're choosing to work hard over work smart. So you're not you're not using your your brain to think strategically to use leverage it's so easy it's so easy to put your head down and just work it actually takes something to pull back to step away and see is there a better way could someone else do this do i really need to do this you know there is for most of us there is a comfort there's a sense of certainty in staying busy because you're distracting your mind from maybe the things that you probably should be doing the things that kind of scare you that put you out, out of your comfort zone so i absolutely agree with that and i wanted to go back to what you said about asking better questions and and starting sure. to ask questions around value and we could go deeper with that and because really what does that mean what does it mean to provide value and how much value is something worth and how much is it worth to whom a specific person i've given this example before you know when people you know like one of the number one questions people ask in the business and marketing realm is like how much should i price my stuff at and i think we approach that backwards i, I think we're already asking the wrong question the moment you ask that question but I look at it is going to be based on value and it's going to be based on who you want to attract. I give an example of like my YouTube course. You know, I used to sell a hundred dollar product on how to, you know, grow your business using YouTube. And I had Carl Deichler, the CEO and founder of Beachbody, call me up on the phone one day saying, you know, <laughs> I want to learn this YouTube stuff for our business and I want to train our coaches on how they could be using YouTube to sell more product. Now, you look at someone who maybe is like a mommy blogger who wants to start making YouTube videos versus the CEO of a $500 million company who's going to start using YouTube. And you can see that the value provided, it's the same content, it's the same information, it's the same training, but the value that those two different people receive is completely different. So even when we go to value, we have to start looking at those questions. How much value am I really delivering and to whom? 
because it can be mm-hmm. extremely extremely different you know so i those are the the type of questions i love going down those rabbit holes and, and asking okay so oh and i wanted to add can i, I want to add one more thing because I, I love all, all this you've been all this stuff comes up so you also mentioned this like that question of like or that what stops us from purchasing that thing is like i can't afford it and mm-hmm. a little game i played with myself long ago and now it's just become so subconscious i don't really even think about it it's like automatic now is that i made a rule for myself that i would rate something i wanted on a scale one to ten like ten being a hell yes for it and you know like how badly do i want this thing do i really want this thing or do i think i want this thing and if it were a nine or a ten like i really wanted this thing then i wouldn't let money ever be the reason that i didn't get it I never, that was the way I stopped telling myself, like, I can't afford it. It's too expensive. It's too much money. I don't like spending the money on it, blah, blah, blah. And that's something I've started to live from and say, like, look, if I, you know, not, <laughs> not that material things are going to make me happy, but if I enjoy it and I want it and, you know, whatever, I'm not going to let money be the story or the reason or the thing that would prevent me from, from having that. Totally agree. Let me chime in on that a little bit here. And so it's interesting because the I can't afford it is another one that locks in really well, a little too well. And so I want people to reframe, just like literally take that out of your vocabulary and recognize I can't afford what I truly want. And so I like your idea of rating it and giving it a nine or a 10 and then not letting money hold you back because the reality is that we find the money for the things that we really value, the things that are really worth it to us to step out of our comfort zone to go and do. So I just want to check in there. So even saying Mm -hmm. I can't afford it is a story itself. Absolutely. Like that phrasing was probably a conclusion that you reached from an early money moment Mm -hmm. that you had. It kind of reminds me it's like the same thing as time. Like we do the same thing with like, I don't have time for that. And it's like, no, you're just choosing to put your time somewhere else. Right. It's very much. And the other thing with money is that it's not like we have like time. We have a fixed amount of time. We all have 24 hours in the day. But money, like there's an abundance of money everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's different schools of thought. When some when some people want to pay for something, they look at what can I cut back on? I generally encourage people to be like, well, particularly for entrepreneurs, how can you go make that money? Exactly. Like if, if you need to go and do that. I just had this conversation with a woman the other day. She just started our program and she has this tax debt she has to pay off. It's like 20 grand. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about all the ways that you can make 20 grand in the next two months in your business. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely possible. The other thing, too, is that when people look at making investments in their business, whether it's in a coach or an online program or a tool or a software or something that will actually grow their business, it's very fascinating how most people will look at their, you know, the what is that is the end result of their money story and say, I can't afford it versus, or it's too expensive or that's a lot or blah, 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 versus looking at what this could do to my money situation, what this mm-hmm. could do for the potential. Like, and I get it. Like the brain is really trained to look at the, the bad and the, and the problem and the, the negative versus the potential, the possibility. And I think that is such a top quality and characteristic that entrepreneurs need to have is training our minds to focus on the possibility and the potential versus the, the unwanted, I guess, of our financial situation. Right. And I think that when it comes, there's so much, I, you can make a whole podcast on this, but at this point, I think we need to start to wrap it up probably. You know, it's so interesting because I've invested over $200,000 in the last 11 years in coaches and trainings and, and we've grossed over two plus million dollars and, you know, cumulatively, I'm not at every year yet, but really getting that, that investment helped me to make the money, to learn the skills I needed. Like when I started 11 years ago, this is, you know, college education, 15 years, corporate accounting and finance. I didn't know that you couldn't just set up a shingle and people would buy from you. Like that's how I thought business worked because mm-hmm. we're just never really taught strong entrepreneurial skills. Even people with MBAs are like, gosh, there's a lot of real world stuff to run, especially an online business that I never learned. And yep. it's continually evolving too. And so it's taking a step back to recognize what you want to achieve and then 
finding the mentors and the coaches along the way to help you get there and recognizing that, sure, there's an investment, but what's the return on that investment? So, and I mean, I deal with this all the time, right? Because I sell programs teaching people how to be better with their money mindset and with their money management. It's very counterintuitive for people to think I need to invest money to be able to save more money <laughs> or make more money, right? Yeah. It's like they're very much in this lack and scarcity place. But it's like when you start to hear stories of like, okay, well, there's Jen. And so Jen had the money. She was making good money, but she wasn't paying enough attention, didn't know how to handle her spending. And she was like stuck in a timeshare. So we had to help her sell that. You know, she's spending too much on a car. So we right-sized her car, like all these different things. So now she was investing in the basic program, plus she has, took the weekly accountability upgrade. So it was $149 a month. And then within six months, she was grossing an extra or taking home an extra $2,000 a month. So you just start to look at that and you're like, wait a second. So yeah, she had to spend 150, but she's getting $2,000 extra a month. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, there's so many like that. Then there's Marsha. And so she's taking for her, it was about confidence and she was a stay at home mom and she wanted to start some kind of business, but she had this belief very much grounded in what she saw from her mom, that if she worked, it was going to take time away from her children. And she adopted them later in life and really felt this strong connection with them and wanted to make sure she was there kind of to counter for when she felt like her mom wasn't there because her mom was working so much. So some of this was about rewriting her story early on to recognize, wait a second, this money is hiding right in plain sight. Like if I shift my belief around it and I start to see what's available to me, I actually have 20 hours a week when they're at school that I could be doing something. And if I work from home, then I don't have to go travel anywhere. And if I start to pay attention to my spending to take it one extra level on the personal finance side, right? Wait a second, I'm going to start tracking and I'm going to notice that I'm spending an extra $400 than I really need to be on groceries every month. Mm. So she was spending like $1,000 and she's like, I think I can get this down to 600. So gave her some tips. She took it down. She was going every day to the grocery store. Okay. Partly because she didn't have a plan. She was very like just trying to kind of live day to day. And so she would go every day. So she freed up six hours of her life and a hundred dollars a week by putting into place what I'm teaching in this upcoming workshop and then in the Moneymakers Academy. So now, fast forward eight months later, she's generating an extra $800 a month, 400 in savings, right, from groceries, mm -hmm. $400 in income, and six hours of her life back when she felt like she had no time. Now she's teaching English as a second language and just started this business like two months ago. Wow. She's like, oh, I think it can get to two or three times that. Oh, that's so awesome. So, so you really got to look at like, okay, that's now $800 more for her investment of, she's in the accountability program too, for $150. And so it's like, sometimes people joke with me, they're like, you should take a commission. And I'm like, no, <laughs> thank you, but no. <laughs> I'm like, I, I want people to really like maximize what's possible. But you know, to your point, of like, I can't afford it. We can afford it when we're so connected to the opportunity and the vision of what we can have in our life when we are creating that extra cash, when we give ourselves the breathing room, when we're really making the money that we're meant to make. Like so many small business owners have unintentional nonprofits. Yeah. And that is not going to get you to your dreams, like your life goals. And really learning how to recognize value, like we we're just talking about, to be able to invest in yourself and invest in what's possible for your business and to have it be grounded in a more positive story around money and what you're creating in the world. Like that's where the magic starts to happen. Uh, absolutely. Today I operate from a place that anything is possible 100% of the time. And I would assume that as an entrepreneur, you would like that idea as well. Why would we immediately shut off all possibility in our lives by continuing to tell these stories. This is just huge. Belinda, do you want to quickly just recap the three steps to rewriting your money story? I know I want to be mindful of your time. Can you go over that really quick? 
Absolutely. Sure. So the first thing is to identify the event. So identify the pivotal money moment that you want to talk about. We can use Sarah as an example. So for her, it's usually one particular event. Sometimes it's a series of events, but that's step one. Step two then has two parts. So step two is about the past. First, you need to look at the conclusions that you drew from the event. And then the second part of that is to note the facts of the event. So that's step two is all about the past. And then step three is asking yourself, what else could the event have meant? And literally, like on our template, I have you do it like 10 times. <laughs> like it's not just pick one easy, what else could it have meant? Like literally ask yourself that 10 times. What else could it have meant? What else could it have meant? Like just with a sense of curiosity and see what you start to come up with. Like dig deep to think what else could have happened. And then the little bonus step is my life is now better as a result of this event because. Mm. Okay. So get the last piece is the bonus. My life is now better as a result of this event. So this way it locks in the gratitude piece. It locks in the more positive side of the more positive conclusion that you could have reached from that money story. And I basically walked you through those steps when I was giving you Sarah's example. Interesting. You didn't include, uh, like the forgiveness piece in the three steps. That usually comes in the, my life is now better piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the forgiveness, it's interesting. I might have to add that as another step. That's not always there, but it usually is. Right. And that's usually where (laughs) there's like some piece of the recognizing how they can make their life better now is that if they can let go of that tie and connection and realize that they can actually create their own legacy, right? Now their life is better. And if you think of my story that I shared with you, right, about me sitting at that dining room table under piles of sacks and bills and mail, my life is now better because I get to do this for a living. You know, like I love this work and I love being able to free people and awaken people to what's possible for them around money when they're not in the stress and the struggle. Yeah. So if that hadn't have happened, I'm not sure I would be nearly as connected to this topic. Totally. Today. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that forgiveness piece is so huge. And if you guys are listening and kind of writing that off, like maybe someone in your life you think doesn't deserve that or anything. First of all, we have an episode on this that I did with Chris Vondermaden, a process and exercise on forgiveness. But it's really clear that you get that forgiveness isn't about them. It's about you. And it's about, it's just a process of letting go and realizing that we are holding on to something that we are carrying with us and it doesn't hurt them to resent them. It hurts you. And the more we can forgive, the more we can release, the more we can let go, the more free we can become to write a new money story, a new business story, a new life story. So I'm so happy, so glad that you that you do include that as part of the process. Cause I, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's so important. Okay. So you mentioned it, you've got some free training available. Do you want to talk a little bit about this and where we can learn more? Absolutely. So the free training is called enjoy extra cash every month. And when I really took a step back and I was like, what do people want? They want some breathing room. (laughs) People work way too hard to be this stressed about money. And so we created this enjoy extra cash every month workshop. And it's a three video series. We have downloads for each piece of it. And that's at jameswedmore.com forward slash cash, (laughs) C-A-S-H, all lowercase. And I want you to recognize that you don't have to keep stressing out about money, feeling scared, feeling like you just never learn money because yes, you probably never learned it and we can teach it to you now. I'll teach you the four steps you need to manage your money, give you what I call my cash flow cure and literally help you find that hidden money in your life that's right there on the income side and the spending side, but you just haven't known where to look for it before. So I'll point you there. And then that just released today, actually that video. And then you'll also get my money action plan. So you'll be like, okay, I see the path for myself to move from stressed to secure. I'm on it. Uh, So I hope you join us for it. It's going to be amazing. I love it. It's jameswedmore.com forward slash cash. That isn't an affiliate link or anything, just a redirect. So you can, type that into your browser or we'll have that linked up in the show notes as well so you can start to uh, find that hidden money right now. Belinda, thank you so much for this. Do you have any final words, parting thoughts for our listeners as they go out and rewrite their money stories? 
Yeah. So first, I just want everyone to take a deep breath with me, with us. Because a lot of this can be, it can be very emotional and it can really like get you to your core. And in some ways I want it to, because I want you to realize that you don't have to be a victim to an old money story, to a legacy that you got from your parents. You can choose the best in what you want to learn from them and then really rewrite and create your own story full of hope and excitement and what's possible for you going forward and then designing your business to match that life and person that you want to be in the world. So you can totally do it and getting a grasp of the money story you want to be living into will be key to helping you make that happen and enjoying that extra cash for yourself every month, every year, always. Thank you, James. Belinda Rosenblum, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you all next week on the Mind Your Business podcast. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.